And thank you, Bethlehem Church family, for welcoming me this morning. It was a joy to have a little bit of breakfast with some of you out in the fellowship area and to hang out with the kids for Sunday school. Uh, Just before we dive into the message, I want to talk a quick little moment about camp. Um, And I want to introduce myself a little bit. Uh, If I haven't had the chance to meet you this morning, my name is Thor Anderson. I have the privilege of working at Lake Beauty Bible Camp. Um, My history with Lake Beauty goes back quite a ways. I was telling the kids this morning that my first experience at Lake Beauty was before my first birthday. My mom brought me up uh, for a family camp. And since then, Lake Beauty's probably been the most consistent religious institution in my life with me moving out of state and going to a different church and, and now coming back into state. Um, Lake Beauty has been a constant through it all. I've had the opportunity to work summers there, and, and starting this August, I began an internship. Um, so Lake Beauty has a very special place in my heart, um, and I'm excited to tell you guys a little bit about what we're planning this summer. You might be thinking, it's pretty cold out still. There's snow on the ground. It's January, and you're talking about camp? Uh, Well, since summer 2023 ended, we have been thinking about summer 2024 at Lake Beauty because we are so passionate about the ministry that the Lord does through these summer camps, and we really believe that it's a a very vital ministry. Um, So we've been planning and programming and and getting all our theme set up. Uh, So yeah, uh, just to talk a little bit about camp, maybe you are unfamiliar with Lake Beauty. Lake Beauty is owned by 61 Covenant churches um, in the Northwest Conference. Bethlehem is one of those churches. Um, And it's a church that was, it's a camp that was established back in 1963 and has been going since. Um, Some of our uh, key uh, things that we value at Lake Beauty are up here on the screen. Our mission is proclaiming Jesus and reflecting his love through a high quality Christian camp experience. And our Uh, vision is LBBC is a place set apart where the heart, mind, body, and soul of every guest can encounter the living God. And we really try and center ourselves on this mission and vision statement. Um, Yeah, our ministries involve summer camp. They also involve this, what we call right now the retreat season where guest groups get to come up and we can host them and they get to provide, experience a great camping experience in the winter, spring, fall as well. Um, We have quilt retreats. Um, uh, Yeah, lots of, uh, we have a high school retreat that's coming up this fall, which I'm very excited about. So those are a few of our ministries. Uh, Moving on here, I want to talk about our summer theme. And each year, uh, we go through a four-year rotation at Lake Beauty when we're thinking about our summer theme. Um, so how we do this is we, we structure each year around one of these four questions, and we're on y- year three this upcoming summer, and our key question is, what is God's purpose? And as we were thinking about this as a programmatic team, we came to the conclusion that God's purpose is to glorify himself, and we're going to anchor ourselves as we approach this summer to the text Isaiah 66, 22, and 23. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the sermon. Uh, but that's just a teaser, I suppose. Um, moving on to our summer theme. So this is our, que- our question we just talked about. Then we go to the theme, which is the greatest show. And as we think about how can we communicate 
what God's purpose is to glorify himself, to bring honor and praise to his great name, we decided to go with this theme of the greatest show, this carnival circus idea that God is the cosmic ringmaster and he is directing the entire universe towards this grand finale where all of his people are praising his name. He is the ringmaster and he invites us to come and participate in his great show and also to be those who observe him conduct this miraculous show. Um, So that's our theme. Some key dates that you might want to have in mind up there on the screen, we have Frontier Kids, Trailblazers, Junior High, Senior High. Junior High and Senior High, that might be kind of self-explanatory what ages, what grades can go to those, but Frontier Kids, that is you have completed first grade through to have completed, let me double check here just because I don't want to get it wrong, Uh, I believe it's completed second grade. And then Trailblazers is completed third grade through to completing fifth grade. Um, So we have the dates up there um, for when those camp sessions are. Uh, Another really awesome program that we have that's not on this slide is Leaders in Training. Leaders in Training is a two-week discipleship program for high schoolers to go through. They get a little bit more intentional time with leaders, and they go through seminars, they get experience serving at camp, and it's an opportunity to learn about what being a servant leader in God's kingdom is all about. For the longest time, I said that my favorite two weeks at Lake Beauty ever were when I went through the LIT program in 2017. And the only reason that changed was because I had the opportunity to lead the LIT program in 2022. And now I would say the two sessions that I led uh, in 2022, those four weeks are probably my favorite times ever at Lake Beauty Bible Camp. I am super passionate about the LIT program, and if you're a high schooler in here and you're thinking about maybe taking that next step in your faith, learning a little bit more about what it means to be a servant, and then maybe you can take those skills and apply them here at church, or apply them in your school, or apply them in your workplace, I encourage you to think about LIT um, as an option. Pray about it. There's an application process. There's an interview process. I really believe in this program, and I encourage you guys to to think about it, and I encourage others to to consider it as well. Um, Okay, moving on to our next slide here. We have opportunities to volunteer. We cannot make camp happen without volunteers. So up on that slide there, you'll see opportunities for volunteering at camp. You can cabin lead, you can help in the kitchen, you can help with housekeeping, maintenance. We also are in need of camp nurses. So you can see up on the slide there what is required to be a camp nurse. Uh, We hire about 35 staff members on average each summer, but we also are in need of volunteers um, and are always grateful for the volunteers that come out each summer to help us out. So if you think that might be an opportunity for you to serve, I'd ask you to consider it. Uh, You can learn more information on our website, which brings us to the final slide here. If you have questions, go to our website, Uh, especially that drop-down that the we can see up on the slide here, that's where you can find all the information for the specific camps. And uh, yeah, our website has lots of information for volunteers, LIT, summer camps. I also have these flyers here with me. So if you want something physical to grab onto and just use as a reminder before you leave church today, I'd ask you just approach me and I can hand you one of these. I have plenty of them.
Okay, so that about does it for my kind of promo, I guess, for Lake Beauty. Um, regardless of whether or not you will be involved with Lake Beauty this summer, uh, my hope and prayer is that as we move into the sermon here, this will be a sermon that, yes, is connected to Lake Beauty, but my prayer is that this will be a sermon that will meet all of us where we're at, um, regardless of our involvement with camp. Um, so before we dive in, I'm just going to say a quick prayer, asking the Lord for help. So I ask that you bow your heads in prayer with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We want to see you. Amen. One of my favorite traditions at Lake Beauty is what we call missions throw-ins. This is a tradition that is kind of self-explanatory. It's a tradition in which we challenge campers, we promise campers at the start of each week that for every $100 raised, one staff member will get thrown into the lake. And uh, inevitably, by the end of each session, there are multiple staff members who get tossed off the dock into the cold, uh, refreshing waters of Lake Beauty. I myself have had the privilege, I suppose, of experiencing this, this tradition a few times in my uh, time out at Lake Beauty. And this is a silly tradition, but, but there's a purpose behind the promise of throwing staff members into the lake. And the purpose is encouraging campers to give to the missionary work. Because the money that is raised for missions throw-ins goes to a missionary that camp has decided in advance to support for that summer. So as we're promising to throw staff members into the lake, there's also this purpose of training up campers to think about what it means to give money to support those who are on the front lines of ministry. And Christian scripture is teeming with promises. And all of these promises are consistent with the singular purpose of God. As I've mentioned in the promo slides, we as a staff are asking the question and encouraging campers to ask the question this summer, what is God's purpose? And, and we've decided to anchor ourselves to this passage of Isaiah 66, verses 22 and 23. It's a passage... It's a text that contains both a promise made by God and also a declaration of his purpose. And that's how, for the remainder of our time, I'm going to divide up this sermon. For the first half, we're going to talk and look at the promise of God in this text. And secondly, we're going to move on and discuss God's purpose. So... Let's consider the promise that God gives 
in this passage. If you have a Bible on your phone or a physical copy, I encourage you to turn to Isaiah 66, verse 22. It's also up on the screen. Um, And I will be reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, simply because I think it makes the wording flow a little bit easier. It's a bit easier for us to understand. So Isaiah 66, verse 22. We read, As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. God's promise here is that his people will endure, that their names will not be forgotten. Now, as we're reading this, we might think to ourselves, uh, big deal. Some people's names won't be forgotten. That doesn't seem like a very ambitious promise of God to make here. But let's do a little bit of an experiment to help us think about this promise a bit more. Uh, It does require a little bit of participation. Not too much, don't worry. But there is a little bit of participation here, all right? So I'm simply going to ask that if you know the names of your parents, you raise your hand. Now, it's okay if you don't, but if, if you do... Raise your hands if you know the names of your parents. Okay, keep them up. Keep them up. This is going to be a little bit of an isometric exercise here. Um, All right. So if you know the names of your grandparents, continue to keep your hands up. And kids, grandma and grandpa doesn't count. You actually have to know the first names of grandma and grandpa here. All right. So keep your hands raised. Okay, maybe a few have gone down. All right. Now keep your hands raised if you know the names of all your great-grandparents. That's where my hand goes down. I'm very impressed, though. There are still some hands raised. Now, keep your hands raised if you know all the names of your great-great-grandparents. All right. Oh, I am majorly impressed. All of your great-great-grandparents' names. I am majorly impressed. Well, for me confident knowledge of my ancestors and their names goes back about like confidently two generations. And I think after three generations, all of us would be impressed. I'm sure I'm not the only one impressed with our sister right here who knew all of her great-grandparents' names. But, But guys, names, heritage, where we come from, These are things that are all easy to forget. And so much more so for the ancient Israelites who were the original recipients of this promise. You see, when the Israelites received this promise from God in Isaiah 66, they were on the verge of being invaded by the empires of Assyria and Babylon. And because they were going to be carried off into exile for forsaking, uh, forsaking the Lord's commands. They were going to be carried off into exile because of that. Their children would grow up in a foreign land, away from the promised land, speaking a foreign language, and generations of cultural heritage would be lost. But in an act of mercy... God promises that would not be the case. 
after the judgment of the invasion and the exile, after that judgment, the Lord would restore his people and ensure that their name would not be forgotten. He wouldn't disown his children, but instead guarantee that they would endure. And on one level, we see that's true today. Um, I can't think of anyone who would claim the title of being ethnically Babylonian today. And there are very few people, there are still some, but there are very few people who would claim to be Assyrian. And yet, thriving across multiple continents is a Jewish culture, and there still is a Jewish country. There's no, there's no more empire of Assyria, no more empire of Babylon, yet Israel remains. And looking at this, one could say God has upheld his promise. But on a deeper level, this promise doesn't just speak to a preservation of a singular people group or a single culture throughout history. Instead, the promise has an eye towards the continuation of a people from every nationality, from every culture, so long as they have placed their faith in the God of scriptures. I say this because of the beginning of verse 22. We read there, as surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people. And I want to focus in here on that phrase, new heavens and earth. The new heavens and earth are a biblical concept in which after the Lord comes again, he remakes creation without sin and without suffering. It's a future that is yet to come, and it is in that setting in which this promise of preservation is fully complete. Now, all this talk of preservation, uh, as I was preparing for this sermon, got me thinking of things that don't last. And I thought of hanging in my room, in my folks' home, uh, the house that I grew up in, hanging in that room is a front page Star Tribune headline celebrating the Minneapolis miracle. Now, now for those of you who aren't Minnesota sports fans, uh, maybe not passionate about the Vikings, the Minneapolis miracle is this miraculous, improbable, come-from-behind victory that the Vikings had in the playoffs of the 2017 season. And for context, I'm 23 years old. I would say it is the greatest Minnesota sports moment that I have lived through in my life. Um, it, was, it was amazing. I, I, can't I can't begin to describe the thrill that I had after that game. And immediately the next morning, I drove to the nearest gas station and I purchased this newspaper so that I could hang it up in my room as, as a memory of this great moment. But as the years have gone on, the vibrant colors of Stefan Diggs hoisting that football above his head as he trots into the end zone, those colors have faded. The corners of the newspaper have slowly begun to roll up on themselves, 
or began to roll up on themselves. The world we live in is fading. Even the most long-lasting things compared to eternity are temporary. And this includes us. As much as modern medicine or state-of-the-art research might prolong lifespans, death is still the universal equalizer. And the Bible is very clear about this. The Bible is very aware of this reality. Genesis 3.19 says, You are dust, and to dust you will return. The author of Ecclesiastes says, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. And in this very book of Isaiah, we read, The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And therein lies the answer to this gloomy reality. God is eternal and his word doesn't fade because he doesn't fade. And if there were a way to attach oneself to God's eternal kingdom, then the threat of mortality would be no more. And this is exactly what is promised in verse 22. All those who pledge their allegiance to the God of Scripture will continue on throughout eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. There will be no more pain in that world. No one who lives in that world will fade away, but all will continue on in endless joy and peace and love. So now I must stop as we are considering this promise and ask you, those of you who are followers of Jesus in this room, are you encouraged by this promise? The, the promise, any promise really, is given to bring encouragement in seasons where the going gets rough. Right? A promise is given so that there is a hope for something better that is to come when you're in the thick of something that isn't very enjoyable. So Christian, are you encouraged by the promise of the new heavens and the new earth? Yes. Praise God. Praise God. When a dream is slipping through your fingers, when the hope of getting into that one school or getting the promotion that you have strived so hard to get, when that dream is slipping through your fingers, is there a hope that there is a joy greater than whatever is you are grasping at? There's a joy greater that is to come. Do you have that hope? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When age is catching up with youth, and Our bodies aren't functioning the way they once did. Is there still a hope of a greater future to come? Praise the Lord. And when we are facing down the reality of sin in this world, the reality of brokenness, facing down death, can we still have hope? Yes. Praise the Lord.
for some, they, there is not a hope of something that is to come. Um, but as Christians, we can hold fast to this encouragement. My family this past fall um, buried my grandfather. And, and it hit hard for our family in particular because it was the first death in that immediate circle since my father's in 2009. And as we went through the funeral process, I got to thinking, how can we have hope in this moment? Can we only find comfort in the life that was? And certainly we celebrated my grandfather's life. But is that the only hope that we have? Lyle Anderson, my grandfather, didn't believe that. He believed he could have hope in something to come. Hallelujah. And his son, Brian Anderson, believed that there was a hope to come. They believed that because 2,000 years ago, a Jewish man who had claimed to be the Messiah, who had claimed to be God himself, was killed and yet endured the death, endured the punishment, and came out on the other side with life, they believed there was hope for them too. That there would be life beyond the grave. And that one day, when he came back again, when Jesus came back again, they would be raised to everlasting joy in the new heavens and the new earth. They were encouraged by this promise. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that we might be encouraged this morning by this promise. The promise in this passage is that God's people will endure. We will not fade, but instead live on in the new heavens and the new earth. But for what reason? What is the motivation that is driving the Lord here to make such a promise? And this gets at the heart of Lake Beauty's theme question for the summer. What is God's purpose? He gives us a clear answer in verse 23. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and from month to month. God's purpose for preserving his people into eternity and the purpose for which he is directing all things is for his glory. God is directing the entire course of the universe to this grand finale in which all his people are in the new heavens and the new earth praising his great name. And if we're being honest, this might strike us as a bit odd. We could ask ourselves, isn't it rather selfish of God to be concerned about him first and foremost? Is God being selfish by prioritizing his glory? I remember as a young Christian in junior high being kind of surprised by the wording of Psalm 23. I mean, here was this psalm 
that was lifted up as a great psalm of comfort, a psalm about the Lord's care for David. And yet, what are some of the words in that psalm? He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wait a second. For his name's sake? You mean he's doing all of this for himself? That doesn't really make me feel cared for or loved by God. But what if the best way that God could love me is by pursuing and prioritizing His glory? What if the greatest way that God could care about me is by directing all things to the worship of His name? Just think about it with me for a second. Scripture proclaims over and over that God is good. This is a foundational reality about God. His character trait is, the key character trait about God is his holiness and his goodness. The Psalms say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And God has eternally existed as good. And he is all-knowing, so he knows that the greatest way for humanity to experience goodness, to experience the fullness of joy that we were created for, is to experience him, himself. If I were to approach you this morning and I held in my hands a tater tot hot dish and I told you, this is the greatest tater tot hot dish there is. There is no greater joy that you could experience consuming any other tater tot hot dish. It has to be this one. What would be the way of experiencing that joy? Eating it, yes. Tasting it. And the Lord knows that for humanity to experience the fullness of joy that we were created for, we must taste and see that the Lord is good. God is about his glory. He is about the worship of his name, not only for the praise of his name, but also at the same time for our good. Theologians hundreds of years ago put it this way, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God is about His glory and He is also about our good. These two things are not separate, but they are actually one and the same. So if this is God's purpose, I have a second question for you. I asked earlier, are you encouraged by this promise? But now I want to ask, what is your purpose in life? I mean, what is the mantra through which you filter what is important and unimportant? What is the driving thing that is directing your decisions? And is it consistent with God's purpose? This is a message for all of, my, all of us, myself included. I, 
we must take stock of our priorities and ask the hard questions. Am I seeking to honor God in my workplace? Are we training up our children to prioritize God's glory over comfort and wealth? Do my actions in conversations with others reflect a heart that believes God's glory is the greatest joy I could experience? Or do my actions reflect a heart that believes true happiness might be found somewhere else? You know, one of the places that I grew the most in my knowledge of God's goodness is Lake Beauty. And I had an interesting relationship with camp growing up. Um, For the longest time, I would get incredibly nervous to go to camp the week before. And this continued on through, like, until eighth grade. I think a part of this was the church that I was at, it just happened that from my youth group, I was the only one who would really be going to camp. There were people older than me who would go, people younger than me. Um, But for my age, I was the only one. So very often, I would be the only kid from my church who would be in a cabin. I'd be with a bunch of people I didn't know. And this caused me to get pretty nervous. But inevitably, at the end of each week, I would be wishing that the week wouldn't be over. I would be wishing that instead of Friday, it was still Thursday. And as my parents would pick me up, because of this experience that I had had at camp, the fun things, the joy that I had gone through, I would just unload on them on the way home. I mean, the absolute epitome of word vomit. Just oversharing, telling them every minute detail that had happened to me at camp, all of the fun things that I had gone through, probably sharing the same thing over and over again. I'm sure by the end of these car rides, my folks would be, to put it mildly, a bit happy that they could get out of the car and let me go off and do my own thing. But I had to share. It wasn't enough for me to experience the joy of camp But that led me, as I was thinking about it and and, and reflecting on it on the drive home, that led me to share and to sing the praises of Lake Beauty. And for us, as we evaluate our priorities, evaluate our purposes, and consider them up against God's, and seek to realign our purposes, I think it is important to grasp this concept of reflecting on the good things that the Lord has done for us and then letting that reflection lead us to rejoicing. This is something that I do at camp when I find myself in funks. Um, As I've shared with you, our, our mission statement is proclaiming Jesus and reflecting his love. Um. That's essentially a a way of saying our mission is to glorify God. But so often at work, I find myself, when I wake up in the morning, what's my motivation for getting up? Am I really at camp to glorify the Lord? Maybe this morning I'm more motivated just to get a paycheck. Or maybe this afternoon as I'm grinding through the, the work day, I'm just more motivated to perform well in front of others. 
And when, by the Holy Spirit's grace, when he opens up my eyes to see these funks that I'm in, I need to reflect on what God has done for me. I take a step back and I reflect upon where I would be without God and what he has done in my life and the good things that he's given me, the, the, many, the many gifts that I have. And because of that reflection, I am then prompted to rejoice. And in the rejoicing, I am realigning my purpose with the Lord's purpose. So I ask you this morning, what are some of these things that you might be able to reflect upon? Some things that might bring you joy, that, that the Lord has done in your life, that you can look back on and say, without this, I would be in a world of hurt. I would be in a far worse place if God hadn't stepped in and intervened here. Reflect on these moments and let them lead you to rejoice and to glorify the Lord. It's our prayer at Lake Beauty that God would give many campers such experiences this summer. That they would leave knowing the wonderful promises that are theirs in Christ and that these promises would lead them to praise God. And I have the same prayer for each of us in this room this morning. That we would leave here with a willingness and a desire to praise God in all circumstances, to glorify Him. It's a prayer that I will be praying to the Lord as I make my drive back to camp this afternoon. And I have confidence that he will answer because he is a good father who loves to give his children good gifts. Let's close in prayer here ourselves. Lord, I thank you for your promise. I thank you for the promise that this world isn't all there is, that you are working in this world and that there is a better one to come. I thank you that you have given us encouragement because of what Jesus has done, encouragement because of what you have done in our lives. And God, I ask that you would motivate us this morning to pursue your glory, to pursue your glory in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. Lord, if there's anything right now that is competing for your glory in our lives, I pray that you would reveal that to us. God, sometimes I don't even recognize it right away. Lord, I ask that you would reveal these competitors, that you would allow them to fall away, that we, we would be so in love with you, so in awe of what you have done for us, that we would have a singular purpose to glorify you, to praise you. Father, I pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.